I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and today we're talking international trade with one of the Gulf Coast region's leading experts. Previously President and CEO of the World Trade Center Kentucky, Ed Webb became the CEO of World Trade Center New Orleans in May of last year. And today I'm excited to be talking to him just a few days following the organization's International Trade Day event, which was held on November 4th. Webb's 2020 focus has been on the new solutions businesses need to navigate the quote-unquote new normal. And on that note, the World Trade Center just released a new business expansion platform that we, of course, are going to be getting all the details on. But first, I want to welcome you to BizTalks, Ed. I don't think we've chatted since I interviewed you as one of our 2020 new and notables this summer. We, 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 We have not, by the way, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you here. We're good. It's been a crazy year, which I'm assuming was a big focus of this year's International Trade Day, but I'd like to start with asking you to give us maybe some insight on the importance of international trade to the economy of Southeast Louisiana, and maybe talk a bit about what role our region plays on the global stage that way. Kimberly, thank you for that. It's uh, something we preach regularly at the Trade Center and about the, the state's role uh, particularly on the international front, not just domestic. We work with the uh, governor's office regularly, actually through the LED, as we work with Larry Collins and Secretary Don Pearson. And some of the facts and figures that, that come out of that office are pretty amazing about what the state's doing, even during difficult times. And I give credit to the state for their continued efforts. And of course, to some of our, our many partners in the state, you know, Committee 100, you know, Inc., uh, the other folks are making things continually happen on the, the local and the business front to keep businesses moving forward. During what you said was a crazy, is a crazy 2020. And yes, our event on the on the fourth did touch base on that. But just get some facts and figures for it that are kind of fun to think about. Uh, in 2019, uh, this state produced over 93 billion in industrial trade, 93 billion, wow. and, and of that number, 63 billion was exports of the nations. And this state uh, ranks fourth among all states for the most exports in 2020 up uh, for number nine uh, back to 2015. Those are just a part of the things, but make it even more important to bring it back home for you is international trade supports. And this is nothing that I'm pulling out of the air. You can call the, the office of the state and say, check these numbers, Webb's talking again. He's trying to sell us <laughs> roughly, but it's fact. And this is what we do. This is something that makes us very important to economic development, you know, to those folks involved in that part of the world. And that's why we work closely with, you know, the Committee of 100 and Geno Inc. and those players. But trade supports over 500,000 jobs in our state. And there's a figure that we use that you've heard many times, Kimberly, that uh, maybe folks say, well, Trade supports one of every four jobs uh, is part of trade, every, you know, one of four. We dispute that. 
at the World Trade Center. And I'll tell you why. This is coming all the way from uh, the top. We believe that trade impacts four of four jobs because anything that you see, feel, or touch, product or service, even a piece of software, more than likely has a global implication to it. That pen you use, that mug you just picked up, that cell phone you use, this computer you're talking on, some component of that piece, that, that unit, came from another country. I can promise you that. And, and what's happened, we've moved so quickly toward a global economy that people have forgotten that we are truly underlined, you know, quotation marks, global in trade. We are dependent upon our global, global trade partners as they are upon us in the U.S. and Louisiana. So those exports, that's $63 billion in exports, what kind of things are we talking about? For Louisiana, that's a great question. And let me back up a little bit, too, because i got to give credit where credit is due. Um, our Mississippi River is our heart. It's the, the machine that's pumping all this activity throughout the state. Love or hate it because it likes to flood and misbehave occasionally and do bad things to levees. But the Mississippi is very important to us, and our ports are tremendous everywhere from the you know port of new orleans port of south louisiana to you know, plaquemines to all the ports that play into moving product and being part of the logistical scheme um, to again grow that international trade number but back to your question the state is historically an energy agricultural state so and chemical so those three areas, those three segments are heavily involved in, in, in pushing the export number up higher and making it work to where it is. Because so, we've always been you know, a big energy state and uh, now with natural or liquid natural gas coming into play in a big way, that'll increase. Agriculturally, our soybeans are shipped to as far as just to China and beyond because we, we've had, had an abundance of great crop here. And again, our state, leadership in agriculture does a great job too uh, promoting um, what we produce here you know, on land or uh, the livestock or the uh, growing it here in our state itself. And of course, the chemical business is huge for us. That's kind of a byproduct, if you will, of the energy business. And, and, I'll, and I'll go in further on that later, but we're trying to even change that to even be more diversified as an economy. But those are our top three. So with what's happened this year and the hit that oil has taken and all that, how has that affected our exports? We continue to move the needle in the right direction. I will tell you that there's some question marks right now, and this was addressed during the uh, uh, National Trade Day, because that question was asked numerous times by the audiences and addressed by the panelists, particularly in an election year where we're looking at a difference of leadership and focus on energy. And we had to look at it very carefully. Um, let's face it, this, the, the candidates both differed in their opinion on energy. One was you know, all pro, wide open, make it happen. Another has kind of stepped back and said, well, there, there are concerns with fracking and concerns with the, the, the fossil fuel delivery and with its effect on the environment. And in effect, both are correct. And I'm going to play 
middleman here, even though I do have a party affiliation. We will go into that right now, please. But what I'll play here is the, the practical side of the equation saying both are right. We have to look at, we have to keep these jobs. We cannot cut jobs and put people in a situation where they can't support their families, they can't pay the bills, they can't go to the grocery store. But on the same token, we have to take a long-term view too and say, what can we do for our state, but more importantly, our environment, or part of that as our environment, to make sure we protect it and keep it safe for future generations. So there, there becomes the balancing act. So again, back to your question, we're seeing some question marks right now. The, the movement of trade and those particular products continue to, to move forward. They've had a good year, but 2021 is a different story because if, as we get closer to making a, a decision on our new president and not knowing you know, what position they're really gonna take, and I say really gonna take versus the rhetoric that we always get in campaigns, um, there's some uncertainty right now, and this, and rightly so. At the event, you had talked about, you know, this was one of the things that was mentioned is is, is all the uncertainty of what's going on. And what were some of the other kind of big topics, the highlights from the event? We looked at a number of opportunities. We tried to keep the the topics as, 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 as kind of fun and entertaining as we possibly could. Morning began with uh, Peter Raschuti. He's a senior professor of practice at Tulane. He gave a great presentation. Oh, and by the way, Kimberly, this mm -hmm. program was recorded. So oh, I, great. I mean, okay. to send you a copy, and anyone has any interest, they can send you an email or me an email or the organization an email. We'll send it out to them. We're going to post it to on our website as soon as it comes in. But Peter Raschuti, the senior professor of practice at Tulane, spoke on a a global forecast of a global impactful election. And it, it was truly a globally impactful election. And what he did, he discussed disruptions in the election, the new world order. And Peter was very careful not to step into one camp or the other, but gave basically a beautiful oversight of where we've been for the past couple of years and where we're trending in the last few months during the election process. And then he stepped to the next level and said, if these things happen, if these things align, if these are the stars that take, you know, line the sky and this is the, the person we elect versus this person we elect, you can maybe expect to see this occur you know, over the next year, months, whatever the case might be. And he was careful to make sure he didn't say that this will happen because, again, right. you don't control people and you can't always control the things they say. And so when you start, you know, putting the rubber to the road, what they might have said six months ago, they're going to backtrack and make a different decision. So that program was a great start for the morning. Um, we got into a new pan another panel called Not Your International Business as Usual. You'll love these, these topics, by the way. They're kind of fun if you didn't see those. But that was a uh, domestic and global business partners discussed uh, Unparalleled leadership challenges and tariffs and market volatility. Our keynote, which we had a blast with too, between Peter and this guy, Michael Hutt came up and did a 45 minute discussion on, and you'll love his title, Okay, You Asked, exclamation mark, post election commentary from an intentionally not so ordinary economic developer's perspective. Is that so, is that so Hector White?
And he did a, <laughs> Michael did a wonderful job because again, he able to walk that line and give some really good perspective. And if you know him really well, great guy, great background. He knows a lot of the players and understands how to, to address this. So he gave a great presentation middle of the day with another on a really big topic in the state right now. The governor's office is business agility and resiliency. And there was uh, new rules for growth, trade and survival in 2021. Uh, that was set up by David Kearney and David's was a former chair of this organization. His family's the Kearney Company. Great insight from his uh, effort as a moderator. Great panelist. Some of his folks were from Mississippi. We had we had panelists in D.C., by the way, joining us from Washington, D.C., from Dallas, Texas, all being piped in. We had the one of the lead guys from Babylon Oil Committee out of Kentucky uh, piping in, having commentary. So it was a fun set of um, uh, panel discussions with some really great, great panelists being moderated by folks who really asked some of the tough questions. So what has been happening? How, how has the pandemic affected what's been going you know, that's on? The question I get a lot of that, Kimberly, and the one word that I use probably to a point of, of fault is, is simply uncertainty. And that word has a lot of meanings because I'm, what I'm referring to there is there are businesses, both small, mid-sized, and large, because we've never had anything quite like this ever you know, at, at this level in terms of how it's been exposed through the media, how it's been exposed through the political system, from the medical field, and what it's doing to different economies across the U.S. That's new for us. You know, and I, I tell you, we're a global economy. But our last pandemic of a real, and they're all serious, by the way, but we talk about regularly in our discussions was the the, the um, back in 1918, and that's where 50 million people passed away, and roughly 650 million, no, excuse me, 650,000 Americans uh, passed away uh, from that pandemic. Mm -hmm. This one, because of the what was not known about it in terms of real seriousness. And the fact that we've gotten to the point of being remote, we've gotten to the point of being, you know, wearing the, 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 the mask, the, we don't have a, a vaccine yet. People are concerned about how business is going to be trending. And I think what happened early on is folks you know, shuttered the doors and had people working from home that could with the technology in place. Um, they were hesitant. But I will tell you what we have seen in, in a lot of these businesses is a new model coming to play where they've discovered that it's okay to have that, that family at home working from their offices. Because many times they were more productive. They wanted to make sure the company was you know, safe and secure and sound doing its job. And they were calling their clients also working from home. And business kept happening. You know, sales kept coming through. And, of course, for some of the companies in the delivery business, you know, I wish I had owned Amazon stock and UPS and others, those models exploded, particularly with the delivery of some of the most basic items, including groceries, which, you know, in my time, we had a couple of grocery players called Peapod, another called Van, and they never got traction. Well, tell you what, all the delivery services got great traction over the last year with COVID. So what's happening is a, a new model is, is, is coming forward here. And 
it was one that we saw coming a long time ago at the Trade Center. And I say a long time ago. You got to remember, I've worked at the Trade Center in Kentucky for years and located here. So I saw some trends with my clients that I was working with. And what COVID has done, what the election has done, what some of the market uncertainty has done with Brexit, with the new USMCA, with the challenges we're having right now with China, have really accelerated all these things we, we kind of saw happening, a bit of it happening maybe a year, two years, months back. So to fast forward, everything's being reinvented. And I think the, the biggest reinvention we've seen, i.e., I'm talking to you right now, you're working full-time in a very odd role from your home, dealing with two bad cats. And, <laughs> and it's, it's going to continue. I've got a, a, a daughter who is in the military in, in Washington, D.C., a uh, officer in the military. And while she cannot work from home as much as I think she'd like, and she's got a new daughter, but she does have those days where the command says, uh, Web, go onto your computer. These are things you want you to get done. Um, report back. We'll be fine for the day. So even from that level, we're seeing so many changes from just in the workforce side. So when you talk about, when we ever, anybody, I guess, talks about trade, it, it seems like this kind of, it's this enormous thing. And you think about all the giant players how much are you also talk about small and medium sized businesses in the area. So how, how much of the trade that we do, how big of a, a role are small and medium? They are businesses? significant. That's a very uh, timely question because people say, well, and we hear about the, the major automakers and we hear about the major fuel production companies, but what about these smaller players? Well, don't forget, and we forget this because they don't have the marketing do dollars or they don't have the capacity to throw it out there. But these smaller companies, they're actually the feeders into the bigger, bigger equation. UPS would not be successful as would not uh, FedEx or DHL or for that matter, our ports without some of the, the mid-sized smaller companies pushing their products up on one of those boats and up the river and out to the Gulf to say, sell it to the world. So the small businesses are very key for us. And if you speak to Larry Collins with the uh, LED in uh, Baton Rouge, that's our bread and butter because our future growth in the U.S. is helping these smaller to mid-sized companies innovate, recreate, and basically grow what they're doing because those, those small companies can become large or mid-sized companies over time, or what happens to them in some cases too, Kimberly, they partner or they become, um, get bought out to become part of a bigger company, something they need to become part of their platform. And so th there are bread and butter, and that's why we're very careful at the Trade Center, and that's why we're very careful at LED and very careful with the other folks, even the uh, our folks that use commercial services, that is a federally funded program out of Washington. They recognize the value of the small and mid-sized companies. We have to. We can't live without them. So what kind of companies are you talking about? You're talking about small and mid-sized as far as trade That goes. could be, let's talk on both sides of the equation. People think of companies, they think of one thing only, like a product. And back up there, because one of the fastest growing sectors in exporting right now is along the service side. 
people say, what do you mean service? You mean accounting or you mean legal? Well, yes, yes. But what we're really referring to is IT. It's basically the, the applications that we're using on our cell phones or mobile phones, the using on our, on our hard drives. That kind of uh, service, if you will, the software development is huge, huge. It's one of the fastest growing. So it could be a company here down on Magazine Street, you know, building a, an application for a mobile phone that if this thing takes off, it could be used universally by a number of companies uh, throughout the world. As an example, our business expansion platform is being developed here for the World Trade Center, but it will not stay here at the World Trade Center. It's gonna go out to hopefully all 300 World Trade Centers globally, but beyond that, go to every logistics person in the world wanting to capture data and you know, move information or, or grab information quickly and easily and when I say the player, most of the businesses, mid to small sized companies that need that kind of information to be successful in the international markets. So that's from the service side. From the smaller business okay. or mid-sized companies, people don't realize that many times the, some of the, the devices that go into the computers, into the televisions, uh, they're not all made uh, uh, internationally. They can be made by companies here that produce that particular device, um, that grow that uh, that grow that soybean, that uh, create that chemical, or you know, uh, it, it's a whole array of different services. It's not just something that that we take for granted. I'll give you another great example. It's a company here called Camilla Beans, and that company mm -hmm. people look at it and say, "Well, it's just it's just a bean company." No. No, no. Ben Savard runs an incredible company. He's a very humble and a sharp businessman. But those beans are gathered and shipped from across the world. And it's right here out of our state. So it's a, it's a mix, you know, be, be it energy, be it technology, be it oil or, or uh, agriculture related. It's a number of products. So you had mentioned, again, the, the business expansion platform. So that's a tool that you guys are announced um, at International Trade Day. And it's something that you're really excited about. And I wanted uh, to maybe see if you could talk about it, it aims towards those small and medium sized businesses and helping them compete in this new economy. So can you talk about how I can how it does and that? I, I and, and I, I, am, I am excited. <laughs> so I get going, stop me any given time. It's an exciting opportunity because, again, the, the, all of this has been accelerated by the chain of events from the past year. But my background is financial. I was a banker for many years, and I know both sides of the, of the, of the equation, both the business standpoint and being on this side, saying what do those businesses need? And having been in this business now for, for 14 years, we smaller the mid-sized companies tend to get lost somewhere in the adoption curve and the adoption curve is this is some of the technology they need kimberly they can't get it they can't get it they can't get to it and the technology that that's out there many times is geared for the bigger businesses and you know it, it's it's may not be comprehensive enough or relevant enough to the smaller mid-sized company and that basically they're getting 
it's too expansive and it may be too complicated. It's not really fit to what they're asking for, to what they need. I'll give you a great example. How many times have you gone on the internet? And, and mm, <laughs> so you didn't, so you don't, I'm sorry. Oh, today. No, any given time, yeah. but think about it. Even as for something that you want to look at from a, uh, a research standpoint, or in my case, it's mostly research, but, but, but say it's when you want to purchase. You get back all these hits and you have to filter through those and it's time consuming. Well, here's a problem. Trade moves at the snap of a finger. Trade is 24-7, so these small and mid-sized companies can't go to that website and start to do that, that sea of data and say, all right, which of this piece can I use? What, what do I need? What we're developing and what we're in the process of launching here has a is the impact of changing all that because we're using artificial And that's something that people hear about, but we don't really know a lot about it. You need to read up on it. We all need to. And there's a great guy by the name of Mark Cuban. And everyone knows him. He owns the, the basketball team. But he, this guy's brilliant. And he went to IU and he, he saw the vision of the Internet many years back. But he's a big believer in Internet or artificial intelligence because he, he's just going gonna, gonna to shift the way we do business. And what's going to happen with, uh, in our case, we're taking this intelligence and the more people feed into the system, more that Kimberly goes in and says, okay, here's my company. Here's what I, I provide, my service or products, plural. Here are the markets that I'm currently in or that I want to get into. It begins building a profile around you and starts putting in your objectives. And what's exciting, the more information you put into it and the next person puts into it, the next person puts into it and on and on and on until we get to thousands of people putting in all this data, the intelligence begins, begins to talk into each other. It'll start saying, okay, so-and-so asked for this and so this person here and this person needs the same thing. And by the way, here's a, here's a provider of that particular product or service. Let's network them or let's link them to where that question they just asked me can go to them saying, what was your experience with this? That is huge okay. because what it becomes, the software becomes a business partner for you because of that intelligence. I know it sounds way out there. Kimberly, this is happening. And I'm going to the extreme here because I'm going many, many years up, but that's where AI is going to take uh, our economy. And like the Trade Center, this World Trade Center, we have to reinvent ourselves. And we believe that providing this kind of technology and being that cutting edge and being that on the edge is how we're going to change, you know, this organization, how we're going to help our businesses, you know, see the future and be part of the future. And the key for us is helping them remain a part of the future to compete, survive. And information is the key to that. And anybody you read, be it, be it Mark Cuban, be it Bill Gates, be it, all the great minds behind uh, uh, the technology uh, adoption curve has said, if we don't do, you know, if we're not going to adopt AI and, and be on the edge and look at what the, the changes are occurring, uh, take your computers out of the office, get rid of your computers because they're going to be obsolete. So when you're talking, I'm thinking, honestly, the first thing that popped to mind was LinkedIn. 
Like you go in and you create your profile, you do what you're talking about, you make connections. Um, you know, it sends me things if, if there's jobs that fit my description of what I do um, that are opening up, things like that. Is it kind well, of you like are, that? Is it well, then you, like, are, you are computer savvy. Thank you. So you're, 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 you were sandbagging on me. Thank you for that. So imagine <laughs> LinkedIn on steroids. By the way, in see steroids, okay. of course, doctor approved. But my point being exactly <laughs> that said, because what happens here, like LinkedIn, we've taken our product to the, to the level that it can handle all kinds of data, not just your, your personality profile, but where you want to live or what kind of jobs you want to get into. This thing will be digging deeper because, again, the more you feed into it, the more questions we ask of our, our, our clients to feed into it, which, by the way, is confidential which by the way is built for each company for their personal objectives not for one size fits all um, that's what makes it unique it's that the ability to say i want something that when i go into the internet as a business professional doing international trade i want it to follow my needs i don't want it to follow everyone else's because all i all i really care about is my company Okay. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, there you it's go. tailored. It's, it's basically geared to your organization, your particular needs. And this isn't just for no, it is not. Thank you for saying that. Um, long story short, about ten years ago, I had been developing a white paper on this with in a from while I was in Kentucky, and was working with a guy from Murray State University, and. To make a long story short, he was, the wise, he was the wise guy. He was the guy who knew how to write software and do programming and write code. All I knew was the idea that I had in my head that I'd seen these businesses struggling with trying to get things to, to move quickly for them. There's nothing tougher to talk to a business person on the phone saying, look, I've called 10 people. This has got to go off the dock tomorrow. Can you help me? And you, if you get lucky and, and pull the one needle out of the haystack, then it can assist you. You're blessed, but, but what I recognize is that need because the trade kept moving so quickly and it kept changing so quickly. Technology kept changing so quickly. So, uh, but you're asking the question, Kimberly, is it, is it just for World Trade Center members? The answer is no. It's for all businesses in this state and region, small to mid-sized, in, in the large companies that mind it also. Um, our trade center members, because they've been loyal to us uh, and they're, they're part of our network, they get first dib at it to look at it, help create it. Um, there's a term called uh, open source. And open source basically implies in uh, how it operates is that people who go into it help create what that application can and can't do. And that's the mindset we adopted here because we knew with the rate of change in business and the number of folks we'd be working with day in and day out in the small to mid-sized sector, they had to have input in this because we don't have all the answers. Ed Webb and his, this great crew at Expandiga. So it is available to all folks. So is there a cost involved for people? If you're a member of the, or a client of the World Trade Center, no, there is not. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're not a client, we're okay. asking to become a client and to be part of us because it's something that we feel that the more folks that really you know, buy into it and believe in it, 
the better it's going to make the opportunity in the product itself. But other folks who are not clients can, can certainly pay a fee and use it. And what will happen to this, the, the application to Kimberly as it grows, the application will provide different levels of services or information. So you might have a base level that provides this much information or this kind of data when you ask for questions and ask for, ask for help. And you can go to the next level, which is just more advanced. It gives you greater detail, greater reach, greater uh, array of services. So it, there will be a pricing model attached to it. But initially, for our World Trade Center clients, they get it as part of their, their package, the uh, partnership or membership package. So is this something that another any other nope. World Trade Centers have done? We are, and I'm proud to say this. I'm going to say it with a smile on my face. We were the first trade center ever in uh, the U.S., 75 mm -hmm. years old. And this is what makes mm -hmm. this exciting also. When I spoke to the World Trade Center Association in New York, where we're headquartered, and mentioned to them what we're doing, they were excited too because this is a first. And it's a, in what better place than the first trade center uh, in the U.S.? But uh, in fairness, I think we all recognize a need to reinvent and change. So that's how this came apart and you know, came about. So where where can people access? This? We have a link on our website at worldwideweb.wtcno.org, <laughs> and just follow the page links, and you can get it, you can get into the system there. And by the way. We're asking folks to jump right into it and begin, you know, looking at it, looking at the data requests, looking how it operates, and we welcome input now because, again, it's, it'll be an evolving platform. It will never be the same next year. In fact, in talking to the folks at Expandigo this morning, we have a standing meeting twice a week, uh, Zoom calls. We're excited to think about what this is going to be to the end user in two to three to four years because what will happen there, Kimberly, there's a great um, law called Moore's Law, and you might have heard of it, but it dealt with technology. And what Moore said that, and he used the cell phone as an example in his technology, that cell phone would change every 18 months. Well, then it, his model had to, to adjust because then it changed from 18 to 16 months. And then he changed it again to 14 months, and he changed it again to 10 months. That is what's how fast technology is moving to where Moore's Law effectively ended in 2019 because the model he created pretty much said, I can't determine the rate of change anymore. It's too fast. So if that law holds true, and it will with the global economy, then what we're going to have today on the business and pension platform will look a lot different in one to two, three, four years than what it provides to our, to our mid-small companies. It well, is. is it is exciting. Um, I'm, I'm and, a boring like, old <laughs> international guy, but this is pretty cool. <laughs> but I got to give a lot of credit to the company. Expandigo is phenomenal. They got they got uh, programmers um, across the pond working with them, and they're one of the guys works out of Washington D.C. The other two work out of Kentucky, and there's a, oh, there's a Kentucky root again coming out of me that I kind of started there, but. Um, they're the, they're the real wise guys, you know, conceptually we talked about it, but they put, they put, you know, the pencil to paper and began running this code, which I'm sitting back going, wow, I know nothing. That's amazing. 
but it is exciting. It really, really is. So the internet, and like you said, the international trade day, um, that is you, you did record that. And so there's going to be a recording up on the website. If people wanted to catch, um, some of the things you talked about, like Michael Heck's speech, those panels, yeah, even even my commentary, um, I had a panel discussion on this thing. We did a panel on the, uh, the new technology and it was for 30 minutes. And I had some great folks in that panel. I had uh, Vince Sabred with L.A. Chabert. He's the bean guy, we call him, but wonderful guy and a board member of this organization, Tenor Sunak from Gulf Oceanic Marine. We had uh, Ford Wall from Atlas SSI. We had one of the co-founders of Expandigo. One of our guys, Nestor Narvo, uh, uh, Navarro, gave us a question or two. And he's a, uh, he owns a, the international group um, out in the States. So we, we have some great people providing input. Um, I'm assuming was was it absolutely it was talked about. about you better believe it. I'm glad you brought that up too because we had Sean Duffy, and as a matter of fact, um, uh, our former chair had a committee um, that he managed that day, uh, Tom Spears. And it's called Stop the Presses, and basically, you know, Tom had a background years ago in the, in the river business, and Sean and the folks who were part of that equation stepped up. And it was talked about because that is huge for the state. And there's some things people say, well, you're just making it deeper. Well, no, we're making it deeper because once that happens and takes place, we're going to be able to hopefully where the ships are going to the big ships from uh, you know, coasting or going into the east or west coast can now, you know, come to our ports because the big boats can get through and, and, and make it up, up river, that can increase their volume quite a bit. A huge opportunity. And it's something that the state has been trying to do for many, many years. So that can have a global impact on our ports. Yes. It really, really can. So Sean definitely we spoke about that. He spoke about the funding for it, how it's going. And it's... What if I'm we have heard. We thought sometime in 2020, it'll be 21 is the, I think, the real desire to get get it finished by then. And what, what, what happens to that, and you can appreciate this, seven hurricanes in 16 months. So every time yeah. one of those occur, those operations got to shut down, take those boats back to safe harbor and the crew. Everything blows over, they have the debris. So there's been, there's been some delays because of that. Totally, totally out of his control, totally out of those crews' control. But 21 would be ideal. And but he did, I was, I think he was careful to not really give an end date because there's a hope and then there's reality. But 21 would be fantastic. So, um, so when you're talking about this, the dredging being a, a game changer, what what exactly are we talking about? What kind of a difference is it going to What make? Tom Spears shared with our group that day, and Tom was the moderator for that event, or for that particular panel, and it's kind of tied back into, you know, the various impacts of the expanded Panama Canal for the heartland of America, and we are the heartland. And Tom shared two statistics that were, that were interesting, actually three. One was the widened canal. This is Panama Canal can accommodate larger vessels, from 5,000 TEU to 18,000 TEU, uh, with the additional travel time to the Gulf Coast offset by congestion-related delays on the West, Post, West Coast ports. Shippers now have a viable alternative route, meaning they can come here 
versus you know going to the west coast ports and it, he also wrote that the new port the new route to access the midwest means that the golf course golf coast port survives economies of scale which permits deeper market penetration into the u.s from the east from the gulf coast and eroding those cost advantages previously associated with the east and west coast i'm reading three quotes there but basically what what thomas said to you know, the audience that day was that bigger ships more cargo a a new drop-off point versus going to a west coast port or and for that matter the east they can now dig deeper into the Midwest of the U.S. by utilization of the Mississippi, because the bigger boats can now pass without being without fear of not having deep enough water to go through. So that's huge for us because the drop-off points historically has always been on the east or west coast in San Diego or New York, those those harbors. We're trying to take some of that business away and say, you know what? Come deeper into the U.S. You know, come in, come into Louisiana, come up the Mississippi. Let's see what happens here. Yeah, and then, like you said, then you have a direct route. There you, exactly, the and, the, and with the bigger boats, Kimberly, we had to do this because again, technology, boats are changing, and their needs are changing. And as these boats get bigger and more efficient, and you know, and the draft requirements that are there. We've got to be able to accommodate that. If we can't, we're going to miss. We're going to miss out as a as a state. We've got to protect that business. You know, we're a trade state, and then Mississippi makes all this happen. If we don't dredge, and make sure we can accommodate that new technology, those new boats, then you know, you know, close the door because we're not going to be able to compete from a price advantage or distribution advantage. Well, so fortunately, we did that, and um, we're working on it and uh, moving forward, and I'm excited um, about the new program, and um, it sounds like you guys are, are pretty optimistic either way. I know we're sitting here talking with um, the election currently undecided, so, um, but, but either way, you're feeling good about trade in the region. I'm, I really I really am, and, um, I, and I, I always say, when I took the position here, is I, you know, I love my native state, but the Mississippi and Louisiana has always had a uh, this kind of glow about it, but the stories of its history is a trading town. We began as a trade community, you know, centuries ago. But that same Mississippi River that you know Twain wrote about and we discussed in the early parts of our, the country's history contributes, and this is a fact number again. That uh, what they refer to as the Mississippi River and tributaries has an impact of over 735 billion on the economy of the U.S. And that's actually an older number. So with that kind of uh, tool in our backyard, that kind of advantage with the Mississippi and the fact that I know that as an economy, we keep, we're global and it's not, that's not going to change. We're not going to go back to being a, a, uh, a sheltered, if you will, Domestic only economy will always be international. So I see, I see great things ahead. In fact, statistically, we throw out regularly that 80% of our 80% of our growth plus uh, for business is outside the U.S. Think about that. 80% plus is outside the U.S. We have to trade. We have wow. to, we have to think global. So between your bad cats and your children, you, they got to be thinking international all the time to make sure they. <laughs> They're part of that, that new global economy. 
And that's the job of the Trade Center, you know, Kimberly. We've got to make sure that people realize that and, and think it 24-7. Think international and let us help you, you know, navigate those waters. But not only let the World Trade Center help you, we've got some great partners with LED. We've got some great partners with Ports, you know, with Brandy, with Paul Oakwin, uh, Sandy, all those folks we work together with. And, of course, with, you know, Gino Inc., and the other economic development groups in the state. We all work together. We might be focused, in my case, My Lanes International and advocacy for those international businesses. But in, in the end, we meet at the same point. It's about growing the state's economy. Well, so I'll, end, I'll push people towards your website because that's where they can see um... The, the International Trade Day and what happened there, and that's where they can access the new um, business program. So it's WTCNO.org. Um, and thank you so much, Ed, for, for joining me and for keeping us posted on what's going on. And, and please continue to do that. And we'll please we'll do not appreciate that. Out. I always enjoy speaking to you folks. And uh, let's stay in touch as this thing keeps growing and changing. You know, it'll be a Hopefully another fun new story next time we get together. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.